Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, on this Resurrection Sunday. Greetings. You know, we remember today that Jesus rose from the dead three days after his crucifixion so that we can arise from the death of our sinful lives and walk in a newness of life. He is risen. Let us lift up our hearts and our voices with joy today for He is risen. He is risen today we need not worry or fret as those who have no hope. We can have peace today because we know the Prince of Peace. David understood this too. So as we hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 29, hear the words that he sang that day. He said, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth, and the Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful, and the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars, yea, the voice breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, and Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness, and the Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discovereth the forests, and in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sits upon the flood, yea, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. Let us say thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We love you for you first loved us. Lord, when we were not thinking of you and when our hearts were not seeking after you, Lord, you sought us out. Lord, you called us by your name, Lord. Lord, today we come into your presence, Lord, and we know that as we come asking forgiveness of our sins, that you will cleanse us. Lord, we know as we come listening for your voice, you will speak to us. And Lord, we pray that as we leave this place, we would leave different than we came. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen.
standing for me for just a moment as I read for you my text today. Man, that was a very, very beautiful piece. We've got to hear that again. Amen? Amen. John chapter 20, um, starting in verse 19. My sermon today uh, comes to us from the passage that is synoptic with the passage that was read for us uh, as our uh, gospel reading today about the resurrection of our Lord. So in John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst, and he said unto them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said unto them again, Peace be with you. As the Father hath sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins shall be forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Let us pray. Lord, if there were one day that we were to celebrate that would be greater than all the other days, but I know that we don't have such days. We are not to esteem one day higher than another, but if there were a day, it would be the day of remembering the resurrection. For in the resurrection, all the hope of the ages has been realized, for we remember how you conquered death and rose again from the dead, and that we will rise from the dead as well, that we have hope that the world does not have. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that our hearts would be filled with peace. Our hearts would be filled with hope as we hear the word of the Lord. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. My message for you today on this glorious resurrection day is simple. It is the same and constant greeting Jesus gave his followers on the day of his resurrection. Peace be with you. Indeed, peace be with all of you today, for we live in a day of the Prince of Peace, the day that was foretold by Isaiah and all of God's holy prophets. Peace be with you. Peace be with all of you today. And I say these words today to lift your hearts with the wings of this immutable truth that Christ is risen. And for this reason alone, as Jesus told his disciples in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. You know, God gives us peace the world can't take away. The people that gather together for worship in Egypt who may have bombs planted in their church, they can gather together today in peace. Amen? There may be war that's being waged against them. There may be something that can be done to their bodies, but the people of God are at peace. Why are we at peace? Well, Jesus said it this way. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may 
be also. Do you remember when Jesus uh, encountered the disciples and they thought he was a ghost as he walked along, as he walked on the Sea of Galilee? What did he say to them? Peace. He was reminding them, peace. Remember when he was with them in the boat and the storm came on the Sea of Galilee? What did he say to the storm? He said, peace, be still. This is what it means for him to be the Prince of Peace. But not only does he calm the waves and the wind, and not only does he calm the heart of those who were afraid that he might be a ghost, but he calms our hearts today. Amen? Some of us uh, battle with peace. We find ourselves uh, uncomforted. We find ourselves in difficulty, fretting and living in fear. But not only was this promise given to them that day in John 14, but it's for us today. Amen? In John 14, Jesus continued telling them why they should not let their hearts be troubled. He said this in verse 18. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while and the world sees me no more. But you will see me because I live. You shall live also. You know, when... Our loved ones die. The words, those words come to my mind often. Because I live, you shall live. Because he lives, we can do what? We can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is? See, today, church, we have peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that can keep our hearts and minds. Remember what Paul said to the Philippians in chapter 4? He said, the peace of God, which keeps our hearts and Minds, Isn't that really what happens to us, Luke? Our minds get filled with trouble. We worry. We think, what about this? And what about that? And what if this happens? And what if this doesn't work out? And what if this thing goes wrong? And God says, hey, the peace of God can keep your heart and your mind. What if you go to the doctor and you get bad news? What if you get a call and there's bad news? What if the kidney stone doesn't pass? Or what if what happens? It doesn't matter. Because he lives. We can face tomorrow. We can face uncertain times because who lives? Because He lives. Many of us unnecessarily carry the burden of worry. A burden God is inviting us to cast on Him as He spoke to us in the Word of God from 1 Peter. He said, casting all of our cares on Him for He cares for us. That's what we have today. We gather today. We can worry about so many things that we can't do anything about. We can worry about all the things that we're, we have to do. We can worry about all the things that are supposed to work out. But God says we don't have to worry about that. We can cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. Jesus went on to say more about this in John 14. He said in verse 26, he said, the comforter. And I like that word. I, I, I like the fact that those, those big fluffy covers are called comforters. Don't you guys like that? You got, do you guys know that? I, growing up, I, this wasn't something I learned, you know. Uh, but since I married my wife, there's covers all over our house. There's just covers everywhere. And certain of those covers are called comforters. And I know why that is. Those big fluffy covers. Come on, guys. Do you, does anyone have any of these at your house? Isn't it nice just to take those and just sort of hold them? It's kind of like being held, right? And you, you put that cover around you and you're comforter. I, I love the fact that God refers to his Holy Spirit as the comforter. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. In verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus was concerned with our peace, Luke. He cared about what we thought. He cared about how we felt. You know, you don't really encounter a lot of the religions of the world, uh, Sister Becky, with a God that cares about how you feel. It's always about what offering are we going to bring or what sacrifice or what punishment are we going to avoid. But in Christianity, we have a God who cares about how we feel. Isn't that amazing? And I'm glad he does. There, was a few t- there were a few times this week when I was just like, oh, Lord, I don't feel so good. My heart's troubled. I'm having a difficult time. I'm worried about this or thinking about that. I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. And God did. He comforted me. He helped me. He did some amazing things in my life this week. And I went in to my wife and, and I was like, you know, why do I forget that God always does this for me? Why did I worry in the first place? Why did I fret in the first place? Why didn't I just go to him in prayer right then? Instead of starting in the worry path. I was down the worry path and I'm like, oh Lord, you know, and, 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 and it's like God is, why? you didn't need, even need to go there. I'm glad you came to me, but you could have come to me before that. Amen? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and I come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go to my father. For my father is greater than I. Because he lives, let not your hearts be troubled. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because we know who holds the future, we can face uncertain times. He is risen. When Christ's battered body crumbled down from the cross and crashed bloody and mangled to the ground, the shredded flesh of his back from the cat of nine tails hung like a torn coil of string and the crown of thorns crammed into his scalp. His skull was the source of streams of dried blood that poured into his eyes now closed in death you see right before we came to the passage we came to this was what they saw this is what was troubling their hearts Luke they had seen the one they love crushed and broken and injured and humiliated and mutilated a wet gaping wound in his side where blood and water gushed forth from his broken heart Roman soldiers broke the legs of the thieves on either side and a soldier had thrust a spear in his side to see if he was still alive. And as dark as all these things seemed then, the great crushing disappointment that he would not be the deliverer that they had dreamed of, the man they had lived with and worked for as they abandoned their lives. All seemed hopeless to most of them as they scattered to avoid a similar fate. Their hearts were deeply troubled. They were sick from the hope that was deferred. When you hear the term hope deferred makes the heart sick, it's like 
really there's a there's an event in that's touched very personal to our lives and mainly more to my wife's than than mine but when people die it's one thing but when a young man who was just ready to start his life and all that's been poured into him when my brothers died, it was a very sickening thing, I am sure, for their family. They had, they had envisioned what their life would be like, and they were, just, they were just, just starting their lives. Christ was in the prime of his life, and not only was he in the prime of his life as a man, but they were seeing and believing he was going to usher in the kingdom, Derek, right then. And so they were hopeful. They were excited. They were like, God's going to, this is what's going to happen. And then right before their eyes, they watched it all shattered. And they were hopeless. They, they, they weren't listening to Jesus when he kept telling them over and over, I'm going to die. I'm going to go. Oh, this must be figuratively speaking. No, no, you, you don't understand. I'm going away. Remember, he was telling them way back in John 14, I'm going away. You'd be glad if you, but they didn't understand. They didn't know. In fact, as we read uh, as, as Andy read and as I will read, they didn't even understand. When they saw it happening, they didn't know what they were seeing. They missed it, just like they missed the triumphal entry. To them, it was another trip into Jerusalem. They didn't see that it was his last. All this, no doubt, muddied the grief that had stricken them as the most beautiful and wonderful man they had ever known was humiliated and executed as a common criminal before their eyes. Could you imagine knowing a man like Jesus and seeing him die? It would seem that all hope had left the world. The mobs that had come to him for healing were exchanged for a crowd that cheered for the murderer Barabbas. They begged for Barabbas to be released instead of Jesus, the kind and humble man who had cast out countless demons, healed the sick, fed the hungry, and even raised the dead, meant less to them than a cruel zealot known for his brutality seeing jesus disrespected in this way and forgotten or in their minds remembered as a malefactor had to add to their pain peter had already denied him that he even knew jesus and he was now buckling under the weight of his guilt the dirt on peter's guilty face most likely streaked in the flow of his bitter tears, for the Bible says he wept bitterly when he heard the cock crow. For Jesus told him, remember, remember when Peter was saying, never me, never me. He said, all today before the cock crows. Three times. None of the disciples save John stood by the mother of Jesus in the darkness that came at 3 p.m. that day when goodness himself died. To make things worse, the city was thronged with the pilgrims from around Israel for the great feast of Passover. What was normally a joyful time of feasting and celebration was covered in the darkness of this great loss. The hearts of those that followed their Messiah, they were troubled indeed. Amazingly and thankfully, as the scriptures tell us, Joseph of Arimathea came to him. He was a wealthy man and had been a member of the council that had condemned Christ to death, but he was not in favor of doing it. He was against the plot, it says in John. This man came to see that Jesus had a proper burial, and he now risked much as he begged Pilate for the body of Jesus. 
Pilate was even surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. Joining him was another man named Nicodemus. He was also a member of the same council that had condemned Jesus to death. And he, according to the scriptures, he, along with Joseph of Arimathea, up to this point had been secret disciples of the Lord, these Pharisees. But now there was no secret about it. There was no fear that they could do anything good for Jesus, that they could conspire with him. They were just coming for his body. It was the same Pharisee Nicodemus who had come to Jesus by night that perhaps had now been born again as Jesus told him every man must be if he is to see the kingdom. Joseph of Arimathea, according to all four Gospels, was looking for the kingdom when he met Jesus and he found it, but he just didn't know it. He had the body of Jesus taken to a newly made tomb cut into the rock where it says no one had ever been laid before. Kind of like the, 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 the colt that he rode where no one had ever ridden and the tomb he was laid where no man had ever been put. The Old Testament said with the wealthy he would be in his death. And here he was in a, in a rich man's tomb. There were women... The Bible just says women. We don't know exactly which women, but they, his mother Mary and other close friends, most likely Mary Magdalene and however you pronounce her name, Salome or Salome. No doubt they were caressing him and cleaning him as his body was being taken to be laid in this tomb. I was talking about this Friday night. I remember as I was trying to imagine and thinking of it that as they were caressing and cleaning his hands, that they were thinking of these hands were the hands that had touched lepers and made them whole. It made mud, which were applied to the eyes of a blind man. And they were looking at his hand now limp and lifeless and seemingly powerless, and they were washing the hand. And I wonder if Mary Magdalene, who, as you heard, out of her had been cast seven demons if she remembered how that hand had touched her, if she paused in that moment of preparing him for his burial and thought, oh, these hands. I wonder if the smell of the ointment poured on his feet in Bethany still lingered as these grateful women, as this grateful woman had worshipped him with gratitude, preparing him for his burial, as Jesus has said in Matthew's account, in Matthew chapter 26. Carefully wrapping his body in clean linen cloth. Their tradition were strips, long strips of cloth. If you live in today's age, you've probably heard of the Shroud of Turin. There wasn't one big thing. People that understand Jewish tradition and even the language know they were strips of cloth, many strips, kind of like what you would see in a mummy, how a mummy is wrapped in strips of cloth. And they took the clean linen and they gently wrapped him in it. And now Jesus, a man who had, as he had said, and was recorded by Matthew and Luke, had no place to lay his head. He was now in a new rich man's tomb and he had a place to lay his head. But it wouldn't be for long. Standing next to him in the quiet of the tomb that day must have seemed a strange 
peaceful scene. Thinking of the man who had overturned the tables in the temple, who walked on the Sea of Galilee, who calmed it in the storm. Seemingly looking down on his body wrapped in the clean linen cloth, they may have thought this is where our master will rest in peace. Little did they know. (laughs) Right? Little did they know his journey had already begun to rest the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan. And while he lay in what seemed like peaceful repose, he was actually not. He would not rest in peace at all. He was riding forth to conquer as a prince. For this prince of peace would bring peace through a war only he could win. Wonderful indeed was the deliverance he was bringing to the captives. Right then, right as it seemed, he was laying still to be stilled forever. He was in motion like he had never been in motion before. John 20 records the whole story like this and I'll walk you through it. The first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early when it was dark under the sepulcher. She saw the stone was taken away. You know, because Jesus rose on the first day of the week, our Sabbath, our day of worship has gone from Saturday to what? To Sunday. That's why we get every week we gather, we should be going, oh, (laughs) resurrection. That's why we're gathering today. We're gathering today because Jesus is not in the tomb. He rose from the dead. Mary Magdalene was not alone that day. Matthew and Mark add that Mary, the mother of James, is alone uh, to this list. And uh, Luke says that there were women. There were women there. Women witnesses were not considered reliable in the courts of the day. Yet Christ honored this woman and Women everywhere, really, with this great privilege. Indeed, he honored all women. And it honors the truth that no fictional account of a story like this, with this so much importance, would be told like this. No fictional account, but a true account would, because they were the ones who were there. Verse 2 of John 20 says, She ran. She came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And said unto them, they have taken away our Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. She wasn't thinking he had risen from the dead. She was just thinking someone took him. And in her heart, she wanted to make sure that body was cared for. She didn't want him to be abused. Peter went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. Now, folks, if you read Matthew and you read Mark and you read Luke, there's no mention of John even being there. But John mentions himself being there because he was, and not only does he mention himself, he mentions that he was faster than Peter. Now, you cannot read the Bible and read it like a real story and not be amused when you read this. I mean, the holy word of God came down from heaven for us, tells us how one man was beat the other one in a race, how he was faster. And he refers to himself in a way that ought to make you smile. You know that other disciple, the one that Jesus loved? Come on, guys. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine, Andy, me and you and five elders, and you're like, yeah, Mark was there, and 
and Steve Walker was there, and, 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 and the one Jesus loved, he was there too. Could you imagine that? I mean, they call him John the Beloved. They call him uh, John the Revelator. They call him John. You know, they call him all lots of things. What did he call himself? The disciple whom Jesus loved. I love it. I absolutely love it. All three of the Gospels leave John out of the story, but notice John outruns Peter. Probably this was the only time he ever outran Peter, ever, and ever would. Peter was quick to the draw. He drew his sword. He opened his mouth first. John was certainly slower in approach, but not on this day. He got there so fast that he saw it. Verse 2, it says in verse 5, he stooping down, looked in and saw the linen clothes lying there. Yet he went not in. John lets us know. Then comes Peter. Peter. Then Peter arrived. Following him. He was, did, did you know that Peter was behind me? I got there first and I looked in and I saw it. And Oh, but then Peter arrived and then he looked in. Tells us something about Peter. Peter didn't just look in. Peter went in. John was a little more timid. Then Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher and see at the linen clothes lying there. Peter's heart was troubled indeed. He went in all the way to satisfy any doubt that he may have had. He had not believed the words of Mary, if you recall the story. He thought Mary was lying. This is silly. It did not occur to him that Jesus was doing exactly what he said he was going to do. Peter was just there. Peter was feeling the guilt of his denial still. Verse 7, the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. There's a lot of speculation about this verse and what this means, and there's actually even quite a bit of false if you try to read internet or you get forwards, they're generally wrong. Basically, this was just another one of the strips. It wasn't a napkin from the table and there's a big Jewish tree. It's none of that. What this is, is this is a, and I've heard, the, I've heard whole sermons preached on the folded napkin. And basically what this was showing is that no one who stole the body of Jesus would have undressed him. No one who stole the body of Jesus would carefully then fold the special linen wrapped around his head. Nobody would do that. What would you do? If you were going to steal the body of Jesus and you got in there and you got past the Roman soldiers, what would you do? You'd just grab it and go. You wouldn't go, oh, let's carefully fold and set things very nicely and take all of his clothes off. Take all of his grave clothes off. Remember, remember what happened to Lazarus when he rose from the dead? What did they need to do? They needed to, they needed to unwrap him. What? He was, doing, he was wearing the same kind of thing. So Jesus let it be known, hey, hey, no one came and no one stole me. I'm not wearing these clothes, this linen that was put on me. I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to wear grave clothes anymore. I've risen from the dead. Verse 80, when also the other disciple, which, which and just so you know, this disciple, verse 8 says, he is the one that arrived first at the scene. Did you, did you guys catch that? I mean, John's got some problems. Can you see this? In heaven, I'm going to go, John, we knew you came first. You told us twice already. So in verse 8 of Holy Word, you got, and you know, the one that came first, that, that disciple. 
Verse 9, for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. How could they not know it? You know, sometimes our hearts are troubled. You know, uh, I won't mention any of you by name, but some of you go, you know, I hear sermon after sermon and, and I just forget a lot of the things that, that you say. Don't worry about it. They did too. Jesus was going, I'm going to die and be risen from the dead the third day. Don't be scared when this happens. I've got to die. And they'd be like, yeah, we got it. So he's dead. He's in the, you know, and now he's gone. And they're like, yeah, we don't. This is terrible. They probably have taken him somewhere. They, you know. For as yet, John tells us, they did not know. And John's talking even about himself. He was so thick-headed. We've heard so much we've been taught. But, you know, God will eventually make it plain to us at some point. There are some things that have come plain to me recently, and I'm like, been serving the Lord my whole life. And now I finally understand something I've misunderstood forever. That's the constant work of the Holy Spirit to teach us. Verse 10, the disciples went away again, and they went to their home, and Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down, and she looked into the sepulcher again, and she saw angels there sitting in white, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why do you weep? And she said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And you can certainly conjecture whatever you want, but I think the Lord saw her crying, and I think the Lord didn't want her to cry not even one minute longer. If he's anything like me, when I, when I see... Especially, you know, when the boys cry, I just go, come on, dry it up. But when my wife cries or when one of my daughters cry, it hurts so bad. He didn't want him to cry anymore. I think I'm going to give him a little comfort right now. When she said this, she turned back and she saw Jesus there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. And he said, woman, why do you weep? Who do you seek? And she's supposing him to be a gardener. <laughs> Sir, if you have taken him somewhere, please tell me where and I'll go get him. I'll get him. Jesus said, Mary. She turned herself and she said, oh, Rabboni, master. And the first thing he says is, don't touch me. Because what do you think she would have done, Christina? What do you think the first thing Mary would have done? Oh, because she loved him. Touch me not, I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. So she finds the empty tomb first. Then she sees the Lord and talks to him first. Wow. What an honored place God put this woman. This woman who had been demon possessed. We may look down on a person like that. She was a rough lady. Demon possessed. Probably did all manner of evil. She was good enough for God. Amen. <laughs> She was good enough to be the first witness of the empty tomb. She was good enough to be the first one for Christ to speak to. I think that says a lot about our Lord. He didn't appear to the holy convocation of the 
No. Mary Magdalene came, told the disciples she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things. And that same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came. See, we're back to our text now. And he said, what did he say to them? Everybody say it with me. Peace be unto you. What a greeting. I figured if it was a good enough greeting for them, it ought to be a good enough greeting for us today. Amen? Peace be unto you. And if that wasn't enough, he says it again. When the disciples had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said unto them again, peace be unto you. And they say, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted. And whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. But Thomas, everybody say, but Thomas. Thomas. Now in our house, we don't call him Doubting Thomas. We call him Believing Thomas. Because he's no different than most of us. If you heard a story like this, you might not believe it either. And all he asked... And all he prayed is, Lord, I'd like to see this. I really would like to see it. And God answered his prayer. Isn't that what we do? We say, God, we want to believe, but the flesh is weak. Help us, Lord. Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. He met, this is when being late gets you in trouble, okay? We've seen the Lord, but he said, except I shall see his hands... And the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. And after eight days again, the disciples were with Thomas and with them. And Jesus came and the doors being shut. He stood in the midst. And you know what he said? Peace be unto you. He said it again. He said, Thomas, reach here, hither thy finger and behold my hands, which reach hither thy hand and thrust into my side and be not faithless but believing and if christ said to him be believing what do you think thomas was he was believing amen thomas answered oh my lord and my god thomas because you have seen me thou hast believed blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe sometimes you know our hearts are filled with unbelief you guys ever have times of doubt you wonder is god even watching me is you know there are times, and, and even, even in my old age, even with all the things God has done for me, I will get, and I will, I'll say, you know, what if this is all, and then I have to laugh. I'm like, am I so bad off that I could possibly forget the countless moments where God has made the unseen hand visible to me? If there's a man alive that could, you know, that I know of, I have seen the Lord do so many things in my life, I would be the most thick-headed idiot on earth to go, well, you know, I'm not really sure. You know, I've lived a really long time, and it may well, I don't know if I was good. Folks, if anybody should believe, it should be me. But yet I still doubt sometimes. And God has to remind me of the story. And finally, I don't have to get like one story into it. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm an idiot. Doubt does creep in. Fear does. But let not your hearts be troubled today. Like Jesus said to Thomas that day, peace be unto you. Just as his death was a pathway, the narrow road to this new and wonderful life, the way in which wonder, the wonderful man became the invincible man of wonder. 
It is only through the shedding of the shell of the old man that we rise to walk in newness of life. Let me close today by reading some scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul had just explained the gospel message. You might remember my sermon about this. I really liked it. I, maybe you might have liked it too. Remember when Paul said, I preached unto you the gospel. And he says, how that Christ died and he was buried. And do you guys remember my sermon? And that he rose again. He rose again. He rose again. He rose again. Because that's what Paul says for the next verse after verse after verse. You know, I saw him. And you know, this person saw him. And you know, that person saw him. And you know, that person saw him. And you know, 500 people saw him. And you know, this happened. And so it was, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. The resurrection. The resurrection. The resurrection. You guys remember that sermon? Man, I liked it. I think I'm going to preach it again right now. You ready? You ready? <laughs> the good news of the resurrection makes all other news bad news in comparison. It is the good news indeed. He says, if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain and your faith is in vain also. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and you are yet, yet still in your sins. Then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And if in this life only we have hope, we of all men most, what? Miserable. Misery would reign over us. How peace would never come to us. How it would elude us constantly without the resurrection. Close with Paul's words here are words from Romans and Colossians. Romans 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace. With God through our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand. And I love this memory passage that we did in Colossians, and it's so appropriate, so packed full of beautiful doctrine, isn't it, Andy? Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and visible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace, everybody say, he made peace. peace. That peace is for you and me. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Peace be with you. We're forgiven today. Peace be with you. Christ is risen today. Peace be with you. Let not your heart have fear because he is gone to prepare a place for us that where he is there we may also be. He is risen, church. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this great and glorious day, this great gift that you've given us, O oh God. May we live like you have risen, that you are King, the King of heaven and the King of earth too.
In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.